Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper. Today we are welcoming to the podcast Lida Gold, who is a, a freelance writer and editor, um, uh, lady about town, uh, <laughs> a, a, uh, excellent sort of um, observer of the you know political and human condition. And um, today we're we're having her on to talk about two things, which are uh, I'm sure we can staple them together somehow. But Afghanistan and the Green Knight film. Um, so welcome <laughs> to the show, Lida. Hi, it's so good to be here. Yeah, but and before we get started, I just wanted to know, like, like literally as we are recording this right now, a massive fucking hurricane is hitting. Uh, New Orleans, uh, you know, Louisiana, you know, that that whole sort of chunk of the country. So, uh, you know, this will probably go up a few days after that has all sort of cleared out. But we're we'll still um, throw some links to some charities, uh, probably kick a few bucks to 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 some charities to help people, you know, rebuild uh, in the region because it looks like it's going to be real bad out there you know this it was a classic climate change type situation where it strengthened really fast right before it hit land and it's you know i think it was a category four if i'm not mistaken yeah so a real strong hurricane big storm surge and uh there are a lot of people who are gonna need some help uh in the next few days and so we'll be checking check in with loved ones but also friends and also just you know do what you can you know uh, thoughts prayers and material resources if you can if you can help right that's yeah. that's the left we we uh, we endorse so. <laughs> yeah and so moving from you know one disaster to another um yeah we wanted to talk a little bit about the afghanistan withdrawal because that's that's going into its last couple of days here and that's been one of the more remarkable uh pieces of political history over the last uh i don't know couple of decades at least i mean you know we've been in afghanistan for 20 years um trump made a deal with the taliban that we'd be out by may of this year biden pushed it back to august uh 31st i think that's the that that is the still uh, date fast. I think the the um, Taliban agreed to that. Um, long before that, I mean, what this was more or less two weeks ago, something like that. The government completely collapsed in Afghanistan, and the president legged it with like hundred million dollars, something like that, a whole bunch of money in his socks, uh, <laughs> and the Taliban just took control in a matter of days. Um, you know, they had been making advances over years and months, but then right at that particular time, uh, the, the, like everything just started happening really quickly. And now the Taliban rule Afghanistan and, uh, the, the, the U S military has been, you know, doing this sort of emergency airlift that, that was a sort of terrifying, uh, images of, People clinging to the undercarriage of the uh, airplanes, you know, a number of people fell to their deaths and so on. But after that point, there have been um, something like 110,000 people have been evacuated from Afghanistan over, you know, the, the, the last couple of weeks. And just my cat is saying hi here. Hi, Ellie. Yeah. 
She's a good kitty. But, uh, you know, so so this has caused, I mean, I'm sure our listeners are aware, one of the most uh, hysterical freakouts among, like, the broadcast media I have seen in my life. Like, I think it's sort of comparable to what happened after 9-11. It's not that bad, but it's sort of in the same league. People are shitting their pants, like, on cable television. And they're getting new pants, and they're shitting their new pants again, <laughs> straight <laughs> off of their legs. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about uh, you know power washer evacuation here. We're talking about we we got the horse paste ivermectin <laughs> shit, and we are very sick. And they are so mad about the war ending, and so I guess uh, maybe you know for, as a first question to you, Lida. After rambling for five minutes, um, what do you like the the media situation? Like, wh- what is your sort of general take about how uh, you know the kind of Jake Tappers of the world have reacted to what's happened over the last like few days? You know the uh, the big contrast. Um, the days after September 11th are a good comparison. The big contrast is that. There's this huge disconnect now between what the the government's official position and the media's official position. And they, um, Ryan, I think you you wrote this in in your piece for the week that it's like a surprising act of political courage on behalf of Biden. And yeah, more so than you've seen from any president, which I I can't believe. It's not saying much, to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is a act of political courage from a president. You know, he's the only one. It's like, you know, I mean, what, what do you compare it to when. When Obama stood up and was like, man, our Obamacare website's all fucked up and we're going to fix that. Like, I swear to you as president, we're going to build a website. And But Biden, like, he is standing firm. And I mean, I think it's as much because of uh, there's no other option for him. Like, like it's if if he were to pick anything else at this point, it would just make everything worse. But like there there's George Stephanopoulos is yelling at him about empire. And he's like, look. We can't fix all the problems, Jack. Like, let's- but, but also Biden has that old white man ability to just like not change his mind about anything. Like he, he's just like, yeah. I'm old and entitled and I don't give a shit what you think kind of thing, which is working well in this one instance. You know? Yeah. It's definitely not quite what I expected his presidency to be like. It's kind of it's it's like I don't want to give him like any credit, but it's kind of nice. And yeah, the uh, the media is not prepared for this at all. Like they have their their very like hyper masculine. America's so great, you know. We we you know we're the be- the great superpower. And then when like reality hits them in the face, that both that we've lost this war. Like there's yeah. no coming back. We've absolutely lost it. And the administration is not going to put up with it anymore. They really they cannot deal with this this huge disconnect between their their fantasy narrative and reality. Yeah. And this, you know, what just to make one one last, you know, initial comment, this seemed to me like the psychological thing going on. Uh the there's a there's a fellow, I forget his name, like he sort of does analytical, you know, mentions of what the the three big broadcast television uh evening news programs. You know, MSN uh, uh NBC nightly news a CBS, you know, the and an ABC. And um he found that uh in the last year prior to the evacuation, 
those three had spent five minutes put together on Afghanistan. <laughs> and prior to that, they they had spent between them something like 20 minutes per year on Afghanistan. Now it's like front page, you know, the leading news item every every month. And I think that tends to show you that they they were looking away because it was humiliating. You know, they had invested themselves in this whole imperial project. And the fact that it was a total fucking disaster couldn't be admitted. It was like, let's, oh, God, don't look at that. It's, it's oh, that's I mean, really it's either, gross. I don't know. It's either that or they weren't talking about it because the goal wasn't to win a war, whatever that looks like in the war on terror, right? But the goal yeah. is to like... We don't need to talk about it if our goal is to just have like military bases and military forces all over the world. As long as that's happening, we don't really care in appraising what's going on over there. Like, you just, you know, as long as we're there, we've done it. That, right. That undoubtedly is part of it. You know, you look at, I mean, in one of my articles, I collated the number of investigative reports into these fucking TV, uh, the, the, People being interviewed on broadcast TV news and cable news uh, as, you know, ex-generals who have current affiliations with defense contractors that are not disclosed. These articles have been written for like 15 years and no one ever does anything about it. You still get Petraeus and Jack uh, Kirby, What like all these guys... Um, I may be misremembering, not not Kirby of it, but whatever. There's there's Jack dozen. Kirby the artist. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> comic, comic Marvel He's crossover been dead right? for years. <laughs> there's another there's another guy with a similar name, and I and I, I I apologize to the legacy of you know our our sainted comic book artists, but I think that's definitely a part of it. But also, I think you know for for people like Jake Tapper, like people that do these like uh you know get on Twitter every Veterans Day and retweet. You know all the pictures of our our great fallen heroes. You know they they were personally invested in this, and now that it, the humiliation is undeniable, that the the fact is we fucked up, we fucked up for twenty years, and now like everyone is laughing at us. They're so mad. You know that's the 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 football team has gotten rinsed by you know the 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 uh, league that's too you know, divisions below where you're supposed to be. And the quarterback uh, has got his head stuck in the toilet. And, you know, it's just, uh, oh, we can't, we can't bear it. It's not supposed to be who we are. And it's like, no, it is who we are. And that, you know, that's a tough thing. You know, people in that position, a lot of times they react by lashing out in anger and uh, defiance to just say like, no. No, it can't be us. There must be a different path open to us other than reality. It, it's like Michigan versus Appalachian State many years ago. I say <laughs> yes. this as a Michigan fan. That was a hard. That was a hard day. Supposedly the team was uh, the Michigan team was drunk. They were very hungover from the night before, party the night before. I mean, that's essentially how the U.S. conducted this war. Yeah, is they thought you could sort of stumble in and just sort of throw your weight around. Arrogant. Extremely arrogant, and and also that like Matt Stoller pointed this out in in a, in a long piece that I, I mostly liked a lot. Um, how much of this was a grift, like start to finish? How much of this was for yeah. defense contractors? How much of this was like McKinsey speak and like McKinsey guys? You know, and yeah. you know, explaining with their yeah, explaining with their powerpoints. You know how this was winnable. If, <laughs> 
Uh, and, and it's, it's interesting because like the, the McKinsey thing is like so the exact opposite of like the Jake Tapper like performance, like love our troops kind of, kind of thing that's going on. And the, the way in which that it's never been acknowledged, you know, one that the war was unwinnable from the beginning because you don't start a land war in Asia because <laughs> if you've seen the Princess Bride, that's all the prep you need. You would think, or, you know, the Princess Bride maybe paid a little attention to what happened to the Soviets when they were there. Were the um, British before them? <laughs> yes, it's not a place where you can win wars. It just isn't. There I mean, wasn't the, like a, the a good Mongols version. did it, but that was like like eight hundred years ago, seven hundred fifty, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It's and they were right next door. You know, you, yeah. you don't do it from like starting halfway across the planet. This is a real hot take, but I think if the Mongols, those Mongols, invaded the U.S. right now, they'd win. <laughs> <laughs> Undoubtedly, it's true. Yeah. It's, you know, it's um, one of the points Matt Stiller makes that I kind of disagreed with in his pieces. He was talking about how, you know, one of the issues was uh, a lot of supply issues, thanks, thanks to the contractors. You know, it's very difficult to get um, a regular supply chain going if you've got these contractors who are just really just trying to grift off the top. But I, I don't, it, to me, I don't think it's like, it doesn't seem to make sense that it was ever an issue of technology and gear and having the right gear in the right places. No. Because it's... I, I, we, there does not seem to be a military solution to, uh, guerrilla warfare, to insurgent guerrilla warfare. There doesn't, you know, you, we've tried drones in Vietnam. They tried, um, Agent Orange or that kind of thing. There's been attempts at technological solutions and they just, it just doesn't work, which leads me to believe that there just isn't one that a military has come up with. Not that there never could be one, but there yeah, wasn't any kind of path here. No, I, I, and look, I think in conquering, you know, Hannah Arendt teaches us a little bit about the difference between violence and power, right? Which, which is to say that like power is plural. It's, it's in people. It's, it's, it's something that, um, revolutions actually need power because like ultimately what you need is for when grandma steps in front of the tank, you need the soldier to be like, okay, I'm not rolling over grandma. And that's power. That's, that's actually not, you know, that's the opposite of force and violence. Um, and, and so th- there's been no successful conquering or, um, you know, holding on to any kind of political power that, that relies sheerly on the instruments of violence. And it relies, right, on, on some kind of uh, collective power that you don't have when where you are in the world isn't predominant with, like – we were supporting warlords instead of the Taliban. It's not like, we, you know, it's not like we were, you know, uh, aligning ourselves with all kinds of wonderful people that really fit in with the culture and the place that we were in, you know, and just like trying to liberate from within what was already burgeoning or something, you know. Um, and so, yeah, external force and imposition like that as, you know, clumsily as we, you know, as, as that, that kind of toxic masculinity tries to impose its will on all kinds of things. Um, yeah, it doesn't end up well, right? You, you, you actually need in the world some kind of um, consent, right, to rule and to dominion. <laughs> that's like, I think that's one small lesson that maybe the, the neo-fascists and the alt-right aren't so happy with, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Can't just impose our will on the world all the time. I think a lot about that, uh, the, the line that's attributed to Karl Rove. Um, it, was right at, it was right in uh, 2001, I think, or right around that time. Um, you know, we create our own reality. We're history's actors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's it's interesting because, like, yes, in some ways, if you have this degree of power, you, you know, you can, um, to some to some extent, you can manipulate reality and create reality. But it might not be the reality that you thought you were making. Yeah, it might only be like the grift and the semblance of it. And eventually, twenty years later, it's going to bite you in the ass because it never actually worked. Yeah, that yeah. I 
I was uh, just reading Eric Hobsbawm, my boy Hobsbawm's uh, autobiography, and he talks he about- He is your boy. You love him. He's your fave. <laughs> going through his whole you have, collected works. You have a Hobsbawm little bobblehead, don't you? <laughs> Hobbs blobblehead. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, but he talks about how, like, as a as as a guy who had lived in the United States for many years, I think more than half his life, he lived in New York City, um, you know, and before had lived in London and Austria. He he saw, you know, the September 11th attacks, and his reaction was, "Oh, that's too bad," um, you know, like like, oh, the, you know, it's a terrible tragedy for many, you know, many thousands of people have died, but like. That is not even close to the worst thing that has happened. Wait a to minute, a Ryan. Country. Are are you telling me that you could have a thousand or two thousand people die in one day, and the whole country isn't really freaking out about it all the time? What are you talking about? I mean, I think in this country, in this country, if a thousand or two thousand Americans were dying every day, everything would grind to a halt, and there would be a revolution. Exactly. Exactly. And Sorry, that. Wait. <laughs> Yes, imagine if not if not uh, two thousand people, but six hundred and what is it, forty thousand people had died. Um, but the the what what he points out was is that nine eleven was the hin was a hinge point in history only because the United States reacted in a completely hysterical fashion to it. It's like that you know two thousand people died in a country of. I mean, what was it back then? Like 300 million, something like that? 290 million? You know, okay, that's that's pretty bad. But, you know, let's go get the, like, uh, surely there would be some sort of pursuit of the perpetrators, at least. The one, the people who had planned the attacks. Okay, fine. Do we need to make this, like, twenty a 20-year war to impose, a you know, our rule in a country the, halfway across the world? Like... That's objectively insane, you know, and that I think it, it demonstrates the truth. It's like, yeah, we can make our reality. We can be incredibly dumb for 20 years. We, we can fuck up virtually without limit. We, we can spend trillions of dollars. Our treasury is almost bottomless. No one can stop us. It's like, but, but, I mean, that's the reality we, we made. We made that reality. It was not, you know, reality didn't impose. We imposed a new reality of unimaginable idiocy on other people. We are the rich, drunk frat boy of the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're going to go to the Supreme Court. We're going to get that seat. We're going to, we're going <laughs> to. Um, yes, the Afghan war is Kavanaugh. So, but <laughs> the thing is, there are, of course, vested interests that benefited from this. So it's not oh, like yeah. it was. It's not like totally irrational in that sense. You know, there's, of course, um, Lockheed Martin and other, in, you know, mega players in uh, the defense contractor industry that make a lot of money and a lot of politicians that benefit from that because, you know, they're in their pocket. So, yeah, right. Point um, one percent of the population got super rich. The hot tub industry in northern Virginia got a massive, you know, sort of day, uh, indirect now, subsidy. And what you're saying, Ryan, is this is very unusual in our uh, democratic republic for decisions to be made on the basis of a very few amount of people benefiting. <laughs> Usually, we serve the common good with our policy decisions. So this is different. It's not I'm impossible sure. to imagine. I mean, that Bernie Sanders is trying to sneak through right now an amendment to Medicare that would cover dental <laughs> dental coverage. For the first and time, he's also lo lowering the age of, of uh, Medicare qualification. That is also up for uh, up for discussion, right? But so so we have a lot of you know reform. So something that would cost I don't know what 
5% of this Afghanistan war, you know, old Bernie Sanders just had to be, you know, run nearly win the presidency twice and be in Congress for 30 years to get this little bitty reform for that's the democracy we live in folks. But, um, you know, let, Lighter, would it be better if if we had a green knight that could handle everything for us? What if, we, what if we just what if we had some hero to come through for us and, and on his honor, it has to be him, on his honor to do the things necessary because of his virtue. Let me let me we, just I wanna I wanna one more question on on the the uh on, on Afghanistan before we move to the green knight. Um Lida, what is your? What do you think about Biden? Like, like, how much credit do you think we we sh- should give him? Insofar as he is rolling back the empire a little bit, like, is this cynical? Is it his brain is cottage cheese? Like, like, <laughs> w- you know, I, what do you think? I have a feeling when we say Biden, we're not actually talking about Biden. That we're talking about some relative. You know, we're talking about like a, a group of people. Yeah, um, it's kind of you know, true of most presidents. I think. Yeah, yeah. You're um, the figurehead of a big, like probably tens or even hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, to the extent that Biden is even like involved beyond a personality or like falling asleep in front of uh, the <laughs> Israeli premier. That's, I I really hate Biden. I think he's an awful person. I think he's a rapist. I, I hate everything about him. He is. He's the but worst. He's, he's slightly winning me over. <laughs> A little yeah. bit, and I hate yeah. to admit that. <laughs> doing his doing his shit as, as, like in as, fr- the best places. It's like oh, falling asleep. Oh, I convinced myself he did that on purpose just to insult Israel. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. <laughs> you know, there's life, life is very dark and terrible right now. So yeah. like the little take our wins spots. where we can get them. You got yeah, take exactly. Wins. I mean, they yeah. haven't done they haven't done shit to um, you know, to get people any uh monetary benefits lately in terms of like you know it's uh, especially given that the eviction moratorium was just overturned you know like they, they we haven't there haven't been checks sent out in, in, in months and months and months i mean they really need to they've done yeah largely the, ad, the administration has done very little they've been awful um but this the afghanistan withdrawal i mean you know it's it would be it's even like hard a- to yeah i mean it's even hard to call it a bright spot because it's just like a big ugly mess but like right. it's Better than the big ugly mess that was the status quo for 20 years. It it seems with climate change and everything to come, uh, the winds are going to have to be, oh, so that particular violence won't necessarily perpetuate forever. (laughs) And that's the win. That's like, okay, we can, we can focus on other, (laughs) other grave injustices continuing and that one won't be one of them. Um, yay. (laughs) Well, well, and, and he's funny to laugh at. So we can, we can make fun of him a little bit, but, uh, Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? Biden, Biden to me seems like a sleepy old Joe who likes to sniff little kids' hair and uh, and you know throw people in prison. But at least he's not harming us in this instance. I think. I mean, you know, you in these collective organizations, the president is a figurehead. But I think that unless you have somebody at the very top who who will make that decision, who says. We're we're getting out of Afghanistan, and even when the generals protest, he says no. We're still going ahead. I That's think true. it doesn't happen without Biden, you know, in charge. M- maybe Bernie would have made the same same decision. I think that's probably likely. I think the backlash would have been much worse with mm-hmm. Bernie uh, uh, taking the heat. But 
um, you know, in that sense, I think I give him a lot of credit. I mean, I think he kind of boxed himself in. I mean, I think Trump kind of boxed him in a little bit. But the fact that he's like, like you hear these, you know, quote unquote, like, like isolationist, uh, you know, sort of conservative, anti-imperialist types of people, you know, like Trump's a populist. Trump would have done the same thing. I think that's complete horseshit. Trump cannot bear being criticized on TV. The amount. And that's, that's, see, that's a good point. So Trump loves actually that the media praising him and, and is very reactive to that. Um, he would have folded in a second. Which mm-hmm. is different from what the people, cause it's so, so here's a disjunction that we probably is obvious, but we should talk about like this polls really well with the American people, right? Like they're yeah. down for ending the forever wars, uh, even on the Republican side. And so that usually can be influenced when the media goes all in on trying to like tell one story. Cause we've seen before where like Medicare for all is polling really well or whatever it is, is doing really well. And then the media just attacks, attacks, attacks. And say, like, uh Oh, that's changing the polls all of a sudden, because look at it. Journalists, you're responsible. You have an influence, you know? Uh, but here it doesn't seem to make a dent, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. seem to matter. And that's, that's refreshing and, and good. And that's where I think I'll give Biden a fairly considerable amount of credit for being courageous is I think he sees number one, it's like, like Trump is a pure, he's like an amoeba, you know, an amoeba, like you give an electric shock thing, like a, like a prod you that you stick in the, the, uh, primordial soup or whatever. And the amoeba sort of like pushes, like pulls away from, it. ah, no, like Trump is, Trump can't think like a real person. Like Biden, his brain might not be all there, but he can see, I think, the basic reality of the situation that, um, there's no good way of getting out of here and there's no good way of staying either and staying would be worse. And so just rip the bandaid off, get as many people out as you know, you can. I mean, you could criticize him for that, but he has gotten a lot of people out just like, you know, fuck it. Like there, you just got to stick up for this thing. Even though people are criticizing you, there's no way for people not to criticize you. And I think that's something Trump wouldn't have done. He'd be, he'd be squalling like a baby. Just, just, just just running around trying to appease the television well, every five minutes. And as much as we hate neoliberals, Lida, this actually reminds us that as terrible and centrist and milquetoast and rapey as Biden is in his administration, therefore is, um, the difference with Trump in office is we can't push Trump to do the right thing ever. We can yeah. push and pressure and cajole and maybe get lucky with the Biden administration. So maybe maybe it's a reminder that we need to to, to do a bit more and pressure a bit more, right? There's also an advantage here that probably Biden has no intention whatsoever of winning the midterms. Um, so, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, it's hopeful maybe, but yeah. Yeah, but they're not, I mean, you know, if you really wanted to win the midterms, I mean, they would be giving people money. Um, they would be, you know, there's so many things that they could be doing to actually trying to gain public goodwill. And this is one where, yeah, they're getting public goodwill, but the media will always be against them for this. And so in two years, opinions might have shifted. Yeah. On whether or not people, the, the people won't focus on it anymore, yeah, right. But I, I think largely most people are real tired of it, are real tired of just being in Afghanistan and are really busy because everything else is terrible and like are only focused yeah. on domestic things. Um, but yeah, this might be a time in which to push for some real crazy shit that like the media won't like and would be very against and would be very harsh about. But maybe it would be good to see if some of these things could get done. And and I don't know how much can realistically get done under Biden. I, I don't know how much they really realistically care. But like 
might as well take advantage while we can. Let's because, find out. Yeah. yeah. Once they get destroyed in the midterms, which they almost certainly will, we're going to have like no leverage. No whatsoever. chance of doing yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 And that, I mean, yeah. Last comment before we turn to the Green Knight. Uh, just, I mean, just as someone who totally bought into the Obama myth. You know, in like 2007, I read his book, Dreams from My Father. You know, I thought, this is the guy. This is the guy who's going to save everything. And I remember 2009 and 2010. And it was to get the most minor shit out of the Obama administration. It was like pulling teeth. Like, like there was a month-long controversy in the Affordable Care Act that was like, we're going to make union health care plans worse. For no reason. <laughs> well, later, I mean, you know, the, 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 even at the time, the, the, the justification was like, we're going to save, you know, arguably, you know, a couple billion dollars in spending a year. Later, like, probably not even that, you know, it's like we, we have to take away, basically, we have to take away union healthcare plans because there's overutilization. People, their their healthcare plans are too good, and so they're just going and they're sitting in the MRI machine every day. That's the thing that really happens. So it's now, I don't, right when, when, you, when you combine the daily MRI with the horse paste, let me tell you, it's just <laughs> that is the life. The MRI activates the horse paste to make it go and get the COVID. That's how it works. But so so the experience of the Biden do do your research. You'll see that's true. Do your research. The the experience of, <laughs> of the Biden administration where ev- like occasionally, like maybe 30, 40 percent of the time when there's like a big freak out on the left and then they do what you want, especially when it's like objectively in their interest to do so. Like, it's incredible. You're like, holy shit. They're <laughs> they're kind of listening to us with one half of one ear, you know, yeah. and it really is, a you know, maybe for people who don't, they're not old enough to remember how bad it was in 2009 because it fucking sucked um it really is a big change yeah it helps to you know the squad is limited and sometimes disappointing but it really helps to they have exist them. it yes. really they helps exist. a lot there they're was there. no they're popular they know how to use the instagram and such and then i think that's that's helpful there was no <laughs> squad in 2009 yeah um <laughs> That's the end of the preview, folks. If you want to hear the whole episode, you can go to patreon.com slash left anchor. Thanks for listening.